0: The emotional maturity piece, which I loved um, in your new book. I, f- I didn't know that that had a word or words when I was going through it, where I felt so misunderstood. Yeah. But I was also kind of most certainly misunderstanding other people. <laughs> yes. Yes. And not taking responsibility for mm-hmm. that um, and really taking responsibility for how I felt. Um, Can we talk about emotional maturity and immaturity and kind of how that presents itself? Because if I were to say to someone, you know, it seems like you're emotionally immature. I don't know if anyone would really want to take responsibility for that. Yeah, I feel like we all have a little bit of it kind of creeping around. Totally,
1: totally. And I think there's a lot of different lenses that you could look at it through. Um, The one that I like to see emotional maturity through is essentially understanding that it's your relationship with your emotions, right? It's how you deal when tough things come up inside of you and how you either run away from that or you stay with it and you face it and you feel it. And But you also feel it in a way where you are not just throwing more fire onto the tension that's already there and making it bigger and letting it control your actions. And then you are saying things that you later regret. It's more so Feeling yourself when you're moving through the turbulence without throwing it on to other people. That's mm-hmm. what I think of as emotional maturity.
0: Yeah, it's the the projection piece is a little sneaky where you know you're feeling these big feelings. Yeah. I'll speak for myself when I feel big feelings and for so long I didn't know how to hold them. Mm-hmm. And so it's like they would just kind of bleed out and yeah. really. Um, blend with other people's emotions, say with a partner or family or friends, and it was hard for me to distinguish like what was mine and what wasn't. Yeah, you know, yeah. how do you within your relationship speak to these emotions? Because I feel like for me, the communication piece has been such a huge practice where yeah. I. I need to almost like pace myself so that my words can catch up to my emotions.
1: I think that probably the biggest thing that's helped us, especially recently over the past, I would say like three or four years, is almost um, preventative communication. If that's even like a term, it just popped into my head now. But it's Mm -hmm. trying to be really consistent with letting each other know where we are in our own personal emotional barometer. So like when we wake up, we let each other know, like, you know, I, I feel like I'm going through a storm today. Mm. Like I do not feel good or I feel fantastic. Let's like, you know, do all the things that we were planning on doing. But we will just let each other know, you know, how we feel so that we both know. Because oftentimes we won't even check in with ourselves and we won't really know how we feel. And yes. then the next thing we find that sort of, you know, that difficult emotional tumultuousness that's happening, it'll just start steamrolling into some narrative trying to make it your partner's fault when actually they had nothing to do with it. Yeah. You just woke up that way. You know, you don't even need to necessarily always know the cause because sometimes the cause can be very murky. Like sometimes mm. it may be related to something from a long time ago when you were a child. Other times you may have just woken up and not felt great. Um, but how you respond to it is like critical. Yes. But part of that response is really highly dependent on just letting your partner know, so you both set the stage, where it's like, okay, if I know that my wife is not feeling that well, then that gives me an opportunity to show her love by stepping up
0: mm-hmm. and not take it personally. No, yeah, yeah. That's that's been a very important practice that I didn't realize we were doing as preventative measures. But yeah, yeah, it's um, it reminds me something our therapist said to us was if it if it hasn't been, or I'm butchering this, but if it hasn't been said then it's not true yet. Like, if you haven't expressed it to your partner, so you can't smart. assume yeah. that it's true. Mm-hmm. Because I would kind of sit and, like, if he was in a mood, which he can be, my sweet Pisces, <laughs> um, but I'm also a Gemini moon, so yeah. we, we're two people. Um, if he was in a mood, I would just go through. I'm like, did I do something? Did I say something? What's happening? Mm-hmm. But I have really stuck to what she said. And I'm like, if he doesn't say anything... Then not that I'm not going to, you know, communicate with him or kind of ask him how he's doing, but more so just take it on as something that I feel responsible for.
1: Yeah. I love that too, because it feels like that era of like the 1990s and early 2000s where we would like expect our partners to read our minds like it's over.
0: Yo, I can't read He your says minds. to me, yeah. I'm not a mind reader. Yeah. And I say, I wish you were sometimes, yeah. but it's I wish okay. you were,
1: but we're not there. <laughs> we're not so there talk to me. Like yeah, what's literally. going on? <laughs> yeah. The
0: yeah. the the eras of um us as humans having ESP across the board with one yeah. another has not arrived. It hasn't <laughs> happened
1: yet. So but we can still talk. Let's yeah, find out what's going spot. on inside each of us.
0: Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Have you found that um, your relationship has inspired other people in your life? Um, just by osmosis, so. not by like actual teaching, but.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I think so. I think I've had some really close friends. Like I just married um, my, one of my best friends, Sam, and his wife, Jackie, mm-hmm. and I got to perform the ceremony for them. Um, And he's you know so critical in my life because he's the one who put me on this meditation path. He's the one who did the silent ten day meditation courses first. Um, So I I always feel like I owe him the world, you know, because he like um, I don't even know if he understands the magnitude of what he's done for me by putting by showing me my path. Um, But you know when we ask like he's you know when he asked me to do the ceremony, he's always been very sort of genuine with me about. how there are aspects of my life that he tries to emulate, and I know the love that Sarah and I have for each other. He wants to carry a similar quality into his relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah I love that and I ask I ask that because I really I love the feeling of learning from friends and family yeah. who are modeling something that I love and respect and really telling them and having it be um, an exchange where that's something we look for and honor rather than being like oh my god so you know kind of yeah. the more gossipy yeah. let's talk about the what's going wrong yeah like i really love um leaning more into that it just feels feels good i think that's why it's so important too to have
1: friends who are not exactly like you yeah because there are, it's so easy to just like you know like vibrations attract like vibrations and you end up in the group where everyone just has like way too many commonalities. Yes. But like thinking about Sam, right? Like when I think about him, like he is a person of like immense courage. Like this dude has no problem stepping outside of his comfort zone. And it's like Mm -hmm. a quality of his that I'm constantly trying to emulate in myself because he just has it to like a very, like highly developed degree. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So your meditation path, I know we've talked about it the first time we spoke, but I feel like, perspectives sure. of our it's path are always yeah. changing yeah. and our community is whether they are regular meditators or mm-hmm. they're curious about meditation would love to know your how you met meditation sure. and um I was talking to Sarah before this and she was saying um you guys did a 45 day
1: yes recently yeah. I would love to talk about that <laughs> but would love to
0: talk about just how you met meditation
1: sure yeah um so it was interesting. Meditation kind of came to us. It was the summer of 2012 for me when I did my first course. Um, but that happened a year after I hit my rock bottom. So like my rock bottom point was the summer of 2011. And um, that's when, you know, one night I just did like way too many different drugs. Felt like I was dying. You know, literally felt like I was having a heart attack. I spoke to a doctor later and she was like, yeah, it sounds like you had a mild heart attack. Wow. Um, so could have lost my life that night. Um, but that night I realized that what had gotten me to that point was that I had been lying to myself. I had been lying to myself about how like rough I was feeling inside, how much anxiety I was feeling, how much sadness. And I would try to run away from that by just like filling myself with pleasure by going to parties, by drinking, by doing different drugs, by constantly stimulating myself yes. in some manner or another Um, but when I realized that what had gotten me to that point was lying to myself, I was like, maybe if I tell myself the truth, I can pull myself out of this mess. Um, so I spent like a whole year just really practicing, um, I guess like my own version of radical honesty where I'm just like really just being super truthful, um, with what's happening inside of me to myself, not necessarily to other people, but just like that first step, just like Mm -hmm. what is happening and instead of immediately like trying to smoke or trying to call, you know, trying to just distract myself in some manner, I would just sit there, you know, I wasn't even meditating. I would just sit there and just feel what I was feeling. And it had a lot of results. Um, but in some ways, it feels like uh, a year later, that kind of, um, I don't know, somebody got me ready to do that first silent 10 day meditation yeah. course, because it took that, um that sense of presence to like a whole nother level because you're just, you know, it's totally silent. You're there for 10 days. You are not communicating with anyone else. You don't have your cell phone. You're not like emailing with you, you know, you're totally disconnected from the outside world and it's just you and yourself and Mm. your emotional history. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was incredibly, incredibly difficult, but to this day, it still is like my, Primary and really my only tool, like that's the the only thing that I use for my personal growth, um, and it has just provided tremendous results for me personally.
0: Wow. Can you describe the the power and the practice of the ten day? Sure, yeah. meditation? So the ten
1: day course, when you go in, the first three days you practice uh, what's called anapana, mm-hmm. and that's um, sort of a concentration practice that helps calm and concentrate the mind, where you're aware of the uh, the natural breath. And it's quite difficult. Like you are breathing all the time, but we're never really aware of the breath moving in and moving out. Sure. Um, So when you start practicing that, it shows you how um, unfocused your mind is. Like it's, you know, you may focus for like one breath and then already it's thinking about the future (laughs) or it's thinking about the past. Um, And then after those three days, after the mind settles down a little bit, um, you start uh, observing the body, you start observing the, the truth that's happening within the framework of the body. And that truth sort of immediately reveals itself as impermanence, right? Like everything's changing, fluctuating, whether it's like a really intense pain. There are intensities in that pain, whether it's like some tingling or vibrating, there's some motion there. Um, So you see the truth of change and that truth of change is what allows a lot of that unbinding of that old conditioning in the mind and sort of creates that, that feeling of liberation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the the sitting with your emotional history is a uh, when you say it, I'm kind of like, "Whoa, what would come up?" Yeah. What did it feel like, I suppose sensationally? Like did it feel like waves or was it how, how did you kind of um are you supposed to process it in the moment?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um you don't want to give too much meaning to any particular feeling because a lot of it is just like um you know, you're just understanding the law of impermanence primarily. Um, but then at other times you do know that like, there's just a lot of hard stuff that people have gone through, you know? And I, I remember for me, particularly when I first, when I did that first course, um, the sensations were, were rather like rough. Like it felt really physically painful. And it wasn't just the pain of like sitting there for long hours and meditating. Like I would feel like just like Thick pains like emerging from my back. It almost felt like steel wow. beams like coming out of my back. No I remember way. thinking that specifically. You're like, uh, I hope this
0: is something that doesn't need to be.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm like, I hope I'm okay. But like, I was okay. It was just like yeah. so much stuff from the past that had been just Lodged. accumulated yeah. over time. That's what, that's what people don't quite realize that mm. every time that you react, whether it's like light or very dense reaction, it gets accumulated in the subconscious of the mind. And that, like, you know, it stays there. And it'll affect how you see the present and how you react when different situations occur.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's um, the body's intelligence has been something that I've been working with related to my intuition. Because I found that I will feel intense sensations in my body connected to... um, moments of, like, high emotion um, or intense emotion. And sometimes it's mine. Sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, like, a message trying to come through. Um, But the body is just incredible. It's, like, this little um, radar or, like, a a a little... Yeah, it's, like, a little... Where there's information coming in. Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with your body like the evolution of your relationship with your body been like?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I think it's been uh, an evolutionary arc of just acceptance, yeah. right? Because there's this constant thing that especially, I imagine that a lot of Westerners in particular have because we're constantly fed images of beauty. I'm sure that's a problem yeah. all around the world. Yeah. But um, just like accepting where I'm at and just mm-hmm. loving where I'm at yeah. without being like, okay, I need to get here. I need to get there. And a lot of that has been built through the meditation practice and has helped me sort of hone my relationship with my intuition in particular. Um, Because for me, I mean, you know, intuition just works really different for different people. Like a few things that I've learned is that two things in particular. One, your intuition, if you're really going to follow it, it will ask you to step outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Like it's meant for you to grow. Um, And the second part is that it won't ask you to do anything that will hurt you. Like it it may ask you to do things that are, you know, challenge you may like scare you a little bit if it's like, you know, you need to move to this new city or you need to like leave this job for this other one or things like that that feel daunting. But it's not going to ask you to do anything that will hurt you. Um, But to me, it feels like a very sort of like continuous calm signal that is very different from the cravings of the mind because the mind's like, I want ice cream. Like I, wanted, I want to watch more of this TV show, or I, you know? But it's, um, you can tell that these are sort of the sounds that reactions mm-hmm. make as opposed to the body just like continuously delivering this one particular message. Like I remember the moment when Sarah and I um, decided that we were kind of like over, we used to live in Boston before we lived in New York City for seven years, um, but I just kept feeling, I was like, now's the time. Like it's time to go to New York City. You know, I thought it was the time before, but it wasn't quite yet. Um, But this moment in particular felt different. And when I checked in with her, she felt like, yeah, it's time to do something really different. And um, and when we listened to what was coming in through us, we felt like we went to New York and New York almost received us with open arms. You know, we quickly found a room in our friends, um, the apartment that he had and then we were able to find our own apartment like a month later. Sarah found a job really quickly that she loved and and then I got the you know the, like sort of like the next step of that which was like you know that it's time to write but now you actually need to start writing. And that's when mm. I started the Young Pueblo stuff.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um in a partnership do you find that someone's intuition is leading? At different times or is it? Yeah, I think we take turns.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we take turns. Like, um, I think it's like a big practice in our relationship is just sharing leadership, Mm -hmm. you know, because we and like we know our strengths, right? Like, um, I tend to lean towards the bigger picture and can like sort of see the arc of like, you know, um, sort of like the big moves that we've made, like going from Boston to New York or from New York to Western Massachusetts. That was like my intuition coming in. But Sarah is more so like she can deal with like what's happening right now in a way where she's like, we need to get like these things done. And like, these are the things I'm going to do. These are the things you're going to do. And I'm like, OK, boss. Got
0: it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the sharing of leadership is yeah. so powerful and it just builds that trust. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it feels good to trust the other person to lead. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morning Microdose by Almost 30. We hope you enjoyed waking up.